testing and arguing. Masa means testing, and Meribah means arguing. And so in Exodus, those words became the symbolic names of the place where the children of Israel tested the Lord and argued with Moses on the beginning of their long journey in the wilderness after crossing through the Red Sea to freedom. But can we really blame the Israelites? After all, they were on their own in a remote desert wasteland with no obvious source of water, and therefore they rightly expected that they and their children and their animals would all die gruesomely of thirst. Fear of death causes people to do things they would not ordinarily do. And despite having seen the signs and wonders worked by God through Moses, the deeds that led to their exodus from Egypt, the children of Israel were afraid to die. And so they tested the Lord and argued with Moses, even though the Lord eventually supplied everything they needed, including water from a rock. In many cultures, water is revered as a divine gift. And even now, as we begin to explore this unimaginably vast universe, our small planet remains the only place in the cosmos we know for certain to contain liquid water. And for people who live in arid places far from open water, a reliable spring-fed well is an invaluable resource without which life is impossible and is therefore a sign of divine providence. The town of Sikar in Samaria contained just such a well, and in the time of Christ it was already 2,000 years old. The land had once been owned by Jacob, grandson of Abraham, who gave it to his youngest son, Joseph, who would later be sold into slavery by his brothers and find his way to Egypt. By the time of Christ, though, the town of Sikar and the surrounding region of Samaria were inhabited not by Jews, but by Samaritans, people who were regarded by observant Jews as religious heretics and blood traitors. And Samaria filled the entire territory between Judea and Galilee. Samaritans were descendants of Jews who had intermarried with pagans and had lost their religious identity in the aftermath of the Assyrian conquest by blending elements of true religion with pagan beliefs and Gentile customs. Because the Samaritans were thus regarded as living sinful lives outside the covenant, most Jews did everything possible not to travel through Samaria, often going many miles out of their way to avoid the area. But not the Lord Jesus. On a journey north from Judea back to Galilee, after walking all morning on hot, dusty roads, Jesus arrived around noon at Jacob's well and sent the twelve off to buy provisions. Jesus remained at the well not just to cool and refresh himself, but to reveal himself to a Samaritan woman who would then become an instrument of his grace for many other people, leading them to saving faith in the one who alone is everlasting life. John's Gospel does not tell us this woman's proper name, though an ancient tradition assigns her the symbolic name of Photina, meaning the luminous one, from the Greek word for light, phos. 
But the light in this case comes not from the Samaritan woman herself. The light rather comes from Christ Jesus, who is light from light, and from the illumination she received from the itinerant rabbi whom she should have hated and feared, but who instead changed her life with love. Their conversation at the well is perplexing at first, but then it becomes deeply moving. This woman's life is a mess. She has been married to five different men and is now living with a man to whom she is not married. The Lord Jesus knows this, as he knows all things about all of us, and he loves her and us still the same. And we should note that she already knew her life was a moral mess. She just didn't know how to change her heart to find a path to peace. Jesus acknowledges the emotional and moral chaos in her life without any scorn or contempt. But then he gently calls her to everlasting life through conversion and the acceptance of true religion by the gift of divine revelation. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Then moved in the depth of her soul by his gracious mercy and the power of his word, the Samaritan woman is changed by the Lord Jesus and becomes Photina, the luminous one who then shares the liberating truth of the gospel with all the other people in her town, many of whom come to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Friends, our lives are too often filled with testing and arguing, with moral confusion and chaos, with doubts and fears which lead us to do strange things, not least because we want to live forever, but know that we will all die. We test the Lord and we argue with the church because we do not like what the gospel reveals and want the church to change her teaching to suit our sensibilities. We make peace with our sins and then insist that they aren't really sins at all. We turn away from the means of grace because we conclude that the grace of God is insufficient to change our lives, or we even come to think in our disobedience that divine grace is unreal. And so we no longer follow Christ in the way of the cross. Consider the Samaritan woman's first reply to Jesus. On hearing about his living water, she thought he was offering her indoor plumbing that would relieve her of the daily task of coming to the well. Now think of the twelve. When Jesus told them that he had food of which they knew nothing, they assumed he meant that someone had brought him a sandwich while they were off at the store. Like the Samaritan woman and the Twelve, our sights are usually set too low, and we fail to grasp that preserving and extending our bodily life as we know it here is not remotely the same thing as receiving everlasting life in the kingdom of God, or even living now the life of the new creation, by grace through faith for justification. The good news of salvation is that Jesus Christ understands our frailty, forgives our sins, heals our wounds, answers our doubts, soothes our fears, and resolves our arguments because he is the living water that becomes in those who believe and trust in him a spring welling up to everlasting life, a spring which is a participation in his own divine life. 
And ordinarily, this spring of living water opens in us at our baptism, the promises of which we are preparing to renew at Easter on Passover Sunday. Of that sacred mystery, St. Paul writes to the Romans, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Through holy baptism, we are filled with grace and given the virtues of faith, hope, and love. And this first sacrament is called by many names, including enlightenment, because in our baptism, we receive the light of Christ. But almost all of us are baptized as infants or small children, and so we have no memory of that life-changing event. We must therefore depend upon our parents and godparents to explain the meaning of our first encounter with the risen Lord Jesus and then hand on to us saving faith in Christ and his gospel. But even when others catechize us well, we cannot live by the faith of others. And so at some point in our lives, we must each make a decision for Christ, as did the Samaritan woman and the townspeople. And making that decision for Christ demands that we receive the liberating truth of the gospel without testing and arguing, simply because we trust the Lord more than we trust ourselves. One reason the church in our time is such a mess is that millions of baptized Christians are not making a decision for Christ and instead are engaged in endless testing and arguing either because they do not truly believe that Jesus of Nazareth is true God from true God, or because they deny that the gospel is a supernatural gift of divine revelation, or because they think they can have Christ without the cross. Nominally Catholic politicians who serve the culture of death, nominally Catholic intellectuals who preach the great awakening and nominally Catholic bishops, priests, and even cardinals who contest the apostolic deposit of faith, all continue to test God and to argue with the church in the frenzied search for a false gospel that suits our disordered desires rather than accept the call to conversion by receiving the word of God with saving faith, as did the Samaritan woman. Friends, all those who are baptized must hear and heed the Word of God, the Word of God eternal, the Word of God incarnate, and the Word of God written in order to become, like Fotina, true disciples of the Lord Jesus and instruments of his grace for others. And having been converted to the new life of grace by faith, hope, and love, then it is our privilege and duty to lead every person we know to the one alone who died for us when we were still sinners, the one alone who gives us living water welling up to eternal life, the one alone who is the Messiah and the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ.